Father Gregor Matori, you know, as we continue our discussion on the sense of the sacred and recapturing the sense of the sacred, one thing that came to mind is that even according to the prophecy of Isaiah, that there would be a time when people would consider what was good evil and what was evil good. But from your perspective, it seems that this is just just a common milieu of what happens throughout the course of time, and it looks different in different places. Is that correct? Yes, I, I think this is the history of the world. Uh, when uh, when people become wealthy and prosperous, they tend to focus less on the spiritual and more on the material. And so they tend to forget about God and rely on themselves and their own resources. And there's a certain pride that comes with wealth. Um, and of course, pride is, is, is a problem. <laughs> You know, uh, that, that's, the, that's at the heart of the problem is uh, human pride. Uh, so I would say that the fundamental problem is prosperity, is wealth. Now, on the one hand, wealth and prosperity allows us to progress. We're able to invent things that help humanity. So we have a lot of technology, thanks to our wealth and prosperity, we have a lot of technology that actually helps people. You know, the reason the reason the earth can hold 8 billion people and more is because of our technology and, our, um, and all that we've developed through our, our own resource, you know, through our, our thinking and our are advances that were made possible through wealth and prosperity. On the other hand, as our technology increases, we become less focused on people and more on things. And we, we, we tend to become more concerned about accumulating stuff rather than really engaging in the human drama in uh, you know in personal interact real personal interaction and um i've noticed in my uh, experience being a missionary in very poor countries that the emphasis on the personal uh spending time sitting around talking uh greeting people um Get it, gathering together, and um, it's it's and you know and the 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 great blessing of children and um, all all sorts of of personal things, you real human interaction. Uh, in part because they don't have much, so they realize that what they do have is other people and um at the same time they uh they you know they want to make sure that people have enough to eat have a place to live 
things like that. So, but they're not so concerned with um, what we in the first world are more concerned with, you know, luxury items and um, accumulating stuff. And how would you say that connecting this connecting with the, the community? And I know that's, I mean, it's a pillar of Dominicans like yourself, that, that, that community piece. But as, as you saw it in places that you've been, you've been a, in religious life for over three decades, 30, around 36 decades. I mean, 36 years, not 36 decades, 36 years. And I know you, you've been to Africa, you've been to Puerto Rico, you've been to different parts of the world. You've seen a lot of things also in the United States. So that community piece that you've seen, that you've experienced in, in poor nations, how does that connect with the sacred and how do people discover the sacred through community? Yeah, that's a great, you know, that's a great question. So I'd say mostly it's the church. See, this is the role of the church. The church, and, 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 and it's unfortunate that I must say, sadly, that sometimes the church has um, not held, uh, you know, has not fulfilled its mission, which is to help people to become less concerned about this world and more about, you know, the things, less, less concerned about the things of this world and more concerned about the things of heaven you know, um, and how important it, I mean, there are poor places in the United States and we've both been in, both of us have been in poor places in the United States. And, uh, we've had the opportunity there to, uh, experience, um, that the need, the need for spiritual, um, for connecting people <laughs> with God and with each other. Um, and, and that really is the role of the church. Uh, you know, unfortunately, um, I, I would say that the church has, I, in part, I would say because of the wealth of the church, we've, become somewhat secular ourselves. Um, we, you know, we become too invested in, um, in, in creature comforts. And, uh, and I mean, it's, it's natural to want to avoid, um, poverty. You know, it's natural to seek convenience and uh, to make life easier. That's natural attraction. But that's that's exactly what we have to overcome. <laughs> we have to overcome that instinct for comfort and convenience and wealth and the accumulation of the things of this world. Because that's the way we help people. We, you know, um, my order, the Dominican order, was founded by Saint Dominic. Tomorrow is his feast day, August eighth, and uh, and that's the name of your uh, uh, programming is Saint Dominic. 
So it's appropriate we mention St. Dominic. St. Dominic, he, he began an order of priests who would live poverty because he realized from his preaching, he was a priest, but he realized from his preaching that he was not reaching people because there was something lacking in the authenticity because they were so, they had so much money they had money they had wealth they had they had stuff and uh so he wanted his priest to live poverty not not like the franciscans not not poverty for the sake of poverty poverty for the sake of preaching the gospel there's something about when you have a lot of stuff it takes away from the energy of preaching the gospel and that's why you know jesus himself and his disciples and his disciples his apostles you know lived a very simple life and by poverty i don't mean destitute poverty i mean simple life simple you know trying to live more simply uh, one thing i discovered in my uh living in in uh poorer places is how much time they have they have a lot of time you know in the united states nobody has time for anything <laughs> there, there's something about the things of this world that that kind of rob us of time uh, time for thinking, time for contemplation, time for reflection. Uh, you know, and so uh, Dominic wanted his priest to have time to contemplate, to reflect. And, uh, and that seems to happen better through poverty than through wealth. Even though uh, ironic is that as paradoxical as that may seem. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's really fascinating because what you put together here is that as we advance, especially in wealthier societies, we grow in our understanding of technology. We grow, we advance in, in along that path, which means we also advance along the path of providing ourselves more comfort so we're growing in technology we're growing in these creature comforts but all while we're doing that we're losing a sense of community and we're, we're losing the understanding that time belongs to god now we've run out of time because we have so much technology we have so much comfort we've run out of time to spend with each other and to devote ourselves to um, helping one another is that what you're saying yeah, I think that, and I think that's true. And I think anyone who's thought about it will come to a similar conclusion that um, they they want to simplify their lives. Their lives are too complicated. They and and they they want they they want time to think and meditate and contemplate, but they many people feel that they have to earn more money. They have to work hard, earn more money, accumulate more things, um, you know, and, and I mean, 
there I mean there are good things there are good things about technology there are there are good things but as your program suggests we're, we're becoming too secular we're we're losing our um, our focus on on what really counts in life God um, the individual um, uh, um, children uh, relationships things like that and when it comes to some of the other places that's outside of you know the western um, um, culture so so to speak in in poorer countries that that you've been in are they concerned with the things that at least concern this idea that you see, especially in the United States, we use this term, the wokeism, right? There's this wokeism. Um, there's this, there seems to be this agenda in place to promote these ideas that are contrary, that are antithetical to Catholicism and Christianity at large. In those, in that, 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 that war against wokeism or that culture war, as we used to call it, it, it does become, it seems to become consuming because we do see this agenda attacking our children. It's in the schools. It's, it's everywhere. Pornography. It's, it's over-sexualization. Um, it, it's just everywhere. And and that is, for us, the clearest thing that we see. Like, oh, the world's going down a different path. And as I started off with, the, with your class, you know, I, I thought of, just we look at scripture and things had always seemed to get worse. And I think people like you and people like I, I think we live long enough to see that things do get worse. And sometimes, you know, there, 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 you know, we still have original virtue. We do improve. We, we have our saints. It's not all bad, but we do. We're old enough to see, man, things aren't like they were just 10 years ago, but in poorer countries, do that. Is it that you've experienced? Is it still that same that same thing. Do they see things getting worse, or, or, or what is it? What is it like there? What one thing I've discovered is people are people, and uh, you know we all we all have similar likes and dislikes. We all have um, our human needs and human wants and desires, uh, and um, in many ways. Uh, those wa good wants and desires are manipulated by forces that um, that come from come from other places, and um, you know the uh, and this you know this is the nature of evil. The nature of evil is that it takes something good and it distorts it. And so, um, the, you know, the good of marriage is distorted uh, by uh, false uh, imitations of marriage. And um, the, uh, you know, the, the good of human relationship and human communication, human communica the good of human communication is... Um, distorted by false senses of communication. So um, 
I think that uh, in other countries, they they unfortunately are manipulated. So the third world, unfortunately, is manipulated by forces that come out of the first world. And um, because whoever controls the money controls a lot. Uh, so in, in, those, in those countries, those poor countries where I've been, they have to struggle against this foreign influence because they don't want to, they don't want to lose the good things they have. Um, I'm trying to give an example you know, um, uh, well, you can think of an example of, well, you know, take, for example, you know, the, the love of children, which is universal in most cultures, <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, this, this whole idea of trying to force abortion on these cultures, that they don't want abortion. But unfortunately, um, the money they get from the first world is tied to abortion. So, for example, so just to give you an example um, of how outside forces outside forces affect uh, these cultures, and so they have to. Uh, so the church is there to help defend these these poorer cultures against the uh, undue influence, the, the destructive influence of worldly forces on these cultures. I mean, that's the role of the church, I think. And, um, you know, I, I think in some ways we haven't been doing a good enough job of doing that. In some ways, you know, because the church, Jesus... Um, gave the role of the church to be like um, leaven in society and uh, to be um, a light on a hill uh, or to be, a, um, you know, a light that shines, etc., salt of the earth. But in some ways, the church, unfortunately, has, become, has kind of gotten sucked into this uh, worldly this worldly way. So rather than be a uh, antidote to the corruptions that come from the world, the church has, has in some ways been corrupted herself, sadly. And that's why, you know, from time to time, saints like St. Saint Dominic, are, are, the Lord raises up saints like St. Saint Dominic as a corrective. And so the way you put that together it just makes it, Sound really sad in a sense that as I, as I think about like everything that we've lost along the way, if the church in so many places isn't that being a light on the hill, isn't isn't remaining salty, um, isn't um, protecting um, those who need to be protected from the false ideologies, from those who want to just use us and abuse us and throw us away and, and you know, create slaves out of us, whether it's slaves to do their labor or slaves to purchase their products is the drive for commercialism. If the church isn't there to protect us from that, so much can be lost along the way. Uh, that's, um, but 
what all do you think has been lost along the way as as a church has if we can imagine a church coming out of that period in, in the 1800s where you know she lost her papal stage that she had an opportunity to be more uh, the, the, even the pope didn't have to be such a property manager or, or a king in some ways he could have really turn and focus to the people. And I think there's some attempts there, maybe Vatican I, especially um, they look like the church, okay, this is, this is our job and, and this is our Pope and this is what he should be doing. Um, so we, we've had these times where we could have turned and really became a church for the poor, of the poor. But um, as, as sometimes we've, we've, we've seen have the failed to do that, but what all do you think was lost? I mean, we're talking about the sense of the sacred. In direct answer to your question, one of the things, there are several things that were lost somewhere along the way. And I'll just mention a few. But one very important element that was lost was the notion of the bishop as shepherd, for example. Now, the, unfortunately, the bishops, at least the bishops in the United States, have... And, and by their influence, bishops in other parts of the world um, have exchanged the model of shepherd for the model of CEO of a corporation. In, in many ways, it's sad. I mean, I feel sad saying this, but in many ways, bishops run their dioceses as a CEO runs a corporation. And so you have a lot of middle-level management that does the day-to-day -day work, and the bishop is a little bit removed. You know, the bureaucracy of the chancery has put several layers between the bishop and the people. And, um, you know, I, I think that, so one thing, the leadership of the church, and I mean, I mean, I hate to, I hate to talk this way. We're all, we're all frail human beings. We all make mistakes. I'd probably be the same way if I were a bishop. I'd probably fall into the same trap. But it is a trap, and we have to recognize that sometimes we fall into it. That um, we distance ourselves because. The, the diocesan bureaucracy has become, as in any bureaucracy, because it's become so, its tentacles have become so widespread that you basically, well, well, it's like this country. It's like the United States. The president comes and goes, but the bureaucracy stays there. And the country is really run by the bureaucracy, not by the president. And unfortunately, um, the bishops in our country have sort of adopted a, a similar thing uh, insofar as uh, they've distanced themselves uh, from, from ordinary people's lives. Uh, and they, they've lost that, they've kind of lost that common touch, which is why I never want to be a bishop. <laughs> I never want to, I want, I never want, okay. I never want to sit in an office. 
I never want to be in an office pushing papers. So, if you know, and thank yeah, I, I don't have the temperament for it. I don't think anybody wants me in their office anyway. So I've enjoyed not being in an office, but being with simple, ordinary people, campesinos, the people of the earth, the, the ordinary people. That's what I like. That's why I became a priest. I became a priest not to sit in an office and answer phones. Mm -mm. I became a priest because I wanted to discover the truth of the human drama, what what St. John Paul II described as the human drama, and that he experienced himself both under uh, Nazi occupation and under uh, Soviet communism. And I, remember, I recall you saying that people who have less have more time to think about God. Is that is that? And I've heard other people just speak in sense of, hey, it's the people, sometimes the people on the margins of society, sometimes they get it faster. They, they, they have these, they get things faster when it comes to the spiritual life because they need God more. Um, are, are those two, uh, the, the first one, the former one, obviously comes from you, and then the latter one, I, I can't recall where I heard it about this idea about people on the margins get it faster, but... If those things are both of those things are true, how do those connect to us um, being more oriented to those things that are sacred? You know, family, love, children. How how do how does that the, the poverty and the people in the margins? How 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 why is that true about them? They get it faster, or they get it better, or they just have more time to think about God, talk about God. You know, well, I think the first step is to take time to reflect on your own thoughts. What, what have you allowed society to convince you of? What, what, think about what do you, what do you accept as true that may not be true? And, you know, I, I think that if we do that honestly, we will come to a point where we realize, wait, <laughs> I've accepted certain things that just aren't true. Why? Because everyone, everyone around me thinks that. Because I was taught that in school, either, either explicitly or implicitly. You know, and it's, it's refreshing going, living in another culture. It's refreshing going to another country that's not part of the first world to, to, to gain a completely different perspective, a different view of life, a different worldview. And it, it allows one to have, a, to have an honest conversation with oneself. <laughs> And that's, that's fascinating because I guess it is the lie is just antithetical to the sacred that it that if we go around believing these lies, these things that aren't true, I guess that's one huge barrier that's blocking us in our relationship with God. It's just never it's just that simple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, what, and 
speaking again of St. Dominic, the name of your program, your programming, what what is the motto of the Dominican order? Veritas. Yeah. Truth. And, uh, you know, and contemplation, of course, because that's how we discover truth. Look at, we discover truth by taking time out and contemplating and thinking. It, do, it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> we don't even have to go anywhere. <laughs> we just have to think, think things through. You know, one thing Satan does not want us to do is think. Hmm. Think about that. He doesn't want us to think. He wants us to just accept. Just take what you've been fed. Don't reflect on it. Don't analyze it. And that's what, what's so nefarious about our educational system now is that in many ways it prevents us from coming to know the truth the the academic system academia has become so corrupt that it actually is a hindrance to coming to know what's true That's a, that's a very sad state of affair when the, the organ of society that we've invested so much time and money and resources has in some ways been a waste. Now, now who, can I who can I talk with about this? How many people are going to hear this? People who hear me say this, they think, oh, you're weird. You're out on a limb. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I guess that's where the, I, I, I guess that's where the peace comes in as a Dominican. I mean, you have the uh, contemplative, you have, you know, the study, um, the community, but, you know, but then there's the, what St. Dominic, well, he, well, I guess what set him apart from a lot of people was that he said, fine, we'll pray. You know, we're going to do a lot of that, but we have to also be active, you know. So where does that where does that active piece come in after we've we've thought about these things, after we've we have our the cart moment where we, we, we say, OK, is this true? Is this not true? And we've we discovered the truth through what the church teaches. We healed our conscience. First of all. As Jesus, we never need fear the truth. The truth is nothing other than reality, and we never need fear reality. As long as we are as long as we are pursuing the truth honestly, humbly, we will always then we will always be under God's providence. And whatever happens will be you know, under, will be the responsibility of God. You know, that's God's responsibility. I pursue truth. I try to follow the truth. I listen and look at truth requires humility. 
you can't discover truth without humility. And so um, you, you want to learn the truth, grow in humility. And there's only one way to grow in humility, and that's through humiliation. Get rid of things. Try to, try to live as simply as possible. Try to live without as much as you can. And that, that will go a long way in increasing one's humility. Um, and then as one, as one gains more truth, well, there's more responsibility. Now, you know, once you know the truth, you have to live it. You have to follow it. If you don't, that's the end of the road. That's the end of your lesson. There's no more truth. If you're not willing, look, it, if you're not willing to follow the truth and live the truth, then why would God give you any more? So, so and, and the way we come to know the truth, our Catholic faith teaches us that truth comes from knowing and loving a person, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, who is truth itself because he is God. Um, and so, yes, your point about it, yeah, there's effort involved. It requires work. Nobody's waiting to hand you the truth. Because they're not going to make any money off handing you the truth. People stand to make a lot of money handing you a lie. And so um, you're going to have to fight for the truth. You're going to have to sacrifice for the truth. You know, Jesus died on the cross for the truth. And Pilate, who is the example of worldly cynicism, says, what is truth? Remember, Jesus, before Pilate, says, for this I have come into the world. For this I was born, to reveal the truth. And then Pilate says, what is truth? Well, this is what truth is. <laughs> truth is reality. And the more money you have, the less you have to face reality. And the less money you have, the more you're forced to face reality. Now, Father Matori, someone in your class is listening to you now. And um, and they're probably being reminded, like I am, of what Jesus said to the rich man. Right? You know, sell all you have, sell all you have, and, and come follow me. And we don't really, we never know what happened to the guy. You know, we we, we can imagine maybe he did come back. Um, you know, but and you 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 said a lot about. Um, humiliation, you know, the path to humility. So someone, someone's listening to you in, in your class here, and they're saying, wow, Father Vittori is like really hard. Um, he just said, pick up my cross and follow Jesus. That that just sounds, <laughs> sounds hard and, and, and difficult. 
Uh, oh, yeah. oh, that's too Don't worry about that. Jesus yeah. didn't mean that. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we, we've heard these things. Um, but how how would you say we are we ought to live these things? One of my favorite books, you've probably seen this too. One of my favorite books is um I forget the name of it, but it, it teaches you to take bite-sized things. So if you're gonna, so if you're gonna, if you say, Oh, I want to work out, I want to lose weight, the goal is not to get to the gym. The goal is to put on your shoes. And then the next goal is to get the keys. Next goal <laughs> is to open up the door to the car, then push yeah. the gas. So it's these bite-sized things to if you're gonna if you oh, I want to read this great book. Just read a page and then read two pages. So it's a sort of a, is there a bite-sized way to holiness or we just have to just jump into the pool, into the deep end? Well, I, I think the first step is go to mass, go to mass, go to the sacraments. That's step number one. Because the Lord gives us what we need through the sacraments. And um, St. Dominic was a priest because he understood the importance and centrality of the Mass. How we can't live without it. How there's no way of sustaining Christian life without the Mass. So that's the first step. The, the Holy Eucharist. You know, that that is our spiritual gym. <laughs> and uh, and it all starts from there. And uh, and just ask the Lord, OK, Lord, here I am. I came to mass. What are you going to do? Now it's your turn. What are you going to do? And um, uh, I love celebrating Mass. I, I celebrate the Mass every day. And because I know how important it is. I think that's why God made me a priest, so that I would go to Mass every day. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Africa, when I would travel to Africa, that's a 24-hour trip. I didn't go to Mass during that 24-hour trip. So there are things that come up, but so the vast majority of the time, daily mass is is a possibility. And what, is, what are we talking about? Half hour? You know, we're not we're not talking about look if a half hour is too much time, you're too busy. <laughs> okay, I I have friends who are doctors, who work like crazy. They go to Mass every morning. You know, our, 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 our lives need to revolve around the Holy Eucharist. The, the, the Mass needs to set the rhythm of our lives. And, um, you know, I, you asked me what, that's the first step. 
And then what follows from there, that's that's you and Jesus. And I thought the most important thing you ever taught me was something you, you never said. There's something I saw you do. And it's something I think you made me do, but you didn't know you made me do it. Is I was at daily mass, and I think you were in the pew next to me. Um, I think we were in the same pew, actually. And it came time to kneel. And you got down on your knees, and at St. Dominic's, it was so tight in those spaces. I couldn't put down a kneeler because there was no space because you already got down on your knees. And so I got down on my knees just on that hard floor at St. Dominic's. It's the first time I, in a long time I didn't use a kneeler. And I and I, and I haven't really used one since, except, you know, sometimes you were in a space where somebody put it down. But if I have a choice, I never do it. And I guess that, that taught me, just by example, watching you and that time you forced me to do it, was that... <laughs> Is is that why do am I why am I trying to be comfortable at the mass? If I if I'm seeking comfort at the mass, then I'm probably gonna seek try to seek comfort everywhere else. As, as I just really believe that who you are in the mass is, is who you ought to be out of the mass. I think that what that's what the liturgy is trying to do. And that little thing you taught me that day kind of shaped my whole understanding of what the liturgy is trying to do. Wow. Excellent. See, I didn't even know that. The Lord used me. I didn't even know he used me. He had to make you a bully. <laughs> I just I just bumble through life and the Lord uses me. Father Matori, thank you for this catechesis and instruction on our pursuit of the sacred. Well, thank you for doing this, uh, David. I admire you, and I admire your work, and I admire your show. I think you're a great example to Catholics, uh, you know, of of getting involved, of 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 being preachers of the gospel. So, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing what you do. Too.